They're already thin on consistent scores. And the Islanders and Rangers are not going to play, and it just devalues the Metropolitan Division race. And that's just me using my fingers to type. Newsday presents the Island Ice Podcast with Andrew Gross. And welcome to Island Ice, episode 148 of Newsday's New York Islanders podcast. I'm Andrew Gross of Newsday, and big stick taps for giving a listen. And I hope everybody had a great Thanksgiving week. Sorry I didn't record anything last week, but honestly, between the games, travel, and the turkey, well, all all my time got gobbled up. (laughs) Okay, sorry about that. Bad start, right? Anyway... Plenty of Islanders stuff to get to in this episode as the team had a four-game winning streak snapped in Tuesday's 3-1 loss in Philadelphia. But the Islanders have still won 13 of 18. They're still in second place in the Metropolitan Division, and they were still tied for sixth overall in the NHL. And teams in playoff positions at Thanksgiving do go on to make the playoffs approximately 76% of the time. Uh, I I also had an interesting chat with Matthew Barzell about his skating ability, and we'll get to that in a bit. And of course, as always, your questions for Andrew's answers. Uh, But let's start here, and and I apologize. Honestly, I, I forgot who reached out via Twitter to both myself and uh, our esteemed colleague, my friend Colin Stevenson, regarding our Metropolitan Division preview on a previous episode. And both Colin and I agreed that the Rangers and Hurricanes would probably be 1-2 in the division when all was said and done. And the the Hurricanes are right there with the Islanders as those two chase the Red Hot Devils. And look, I don't think anybody saw the Devils starting 19-4-0. And if I recall, I believe I thought the Devils might still be a season away from really turning it around. So, but but there's no doubt the Rangers are struggling. And to me, there are a lot of similarities between the Rangers and Islanders is that they both rely on superb goaltending. The Islanders are getting it this season and more from Ilya Sorokin. Semyon Varlamov, too, has had strong games. Meanwhile, the Rangers' Igor Shosturkin has not played back to his Vesna Trophy form from last season. So the Rangers just aren't stealing games early in the season like they did last season. And if I could speak on behalf of Colin and obviously myself, neither of us saw Shosturkin struggling to start the season the way he has. And why would we? Then again, that that's why it's all called predictions and all of us so-called experts can predict and project all we want. The fun is in the games actually being played. And that all said, there's still 75% of the NHL season to be played and how teams deal with injuries and attrition over the course of the NHL marathon will truly determine who does and who does not make the playoffs. So, injuries, and let's start right there as it relates to the Islanders, because they went through the first 20 games of the season almost absolutely injury-free. But as they prepare for Friday night's game against the Predators at UBS Arena, injuries, specifically injuries to their forwards and to their forward depth, 
are an issue. Kyle Palmieri has missed four games after a third-period collision with Maple Leafs defenseman Morgan Riley in Toronto. Josh Bailey was a very late scratch from Tuesday night's loss to the Flyers. How late? He participated in pregame warm-ups, and Coach Lane Lambert later said that he was, he was testing something, and uh, the team found out after warm-ups he would be unavailable. And Bailey is listed as day-to-day with an upper body injury, just the same as Kyle Palmieri, but also Kyle Clutter, uh, Kyle, Cal Clutterbuck also exited Tuesday's loss at 15.59 of the first period with, with no word with what happened there. And given that the Islanders are only carrying 13 forwards after Kiefer Bellows was claimed off waivers by the Flyers, and by the way, both games of the the only home-and-home home series the Islanders had this season, which was against the Flyers Saturday and uh, Tuesday. And in comparison, last season, the Islanders had four home-and-home home series. So in both games of this lone home-and-home home series of the season, Kiefer Bellows was uh, technically on the Flyers' top line. So uh, the Flyers claim Kiefer Bellows, uh, who still does not have a point for the Flyers, by the way. Um, Nikita Soshnikov was reassigned to AHL Bridgeport. And uh, so the Islanders are indeed short up front if Palmieri, Bailey, and Clutterbuck remain out for any longer length of time. And AHL call-up, would almost absolutely be necessary from Bridgeport if those three do remain out against the Predators and, or, or longer. Uh, Simon Holmstrom is already up, and while the 2019 first-rounder, uh, he plays hard, he displays good hockey IQ, he wins battles along the walls, but he's, he's provided almost no offense in his first four NHL games. He does have one point, his first, obviously his first NHL point, and uh, uh, Oliver Wallstrom was all jacked up about that when when it happened. Um, where was that? I believe that was in Columbus, and uh, you know Wally said that was the coolest thing in the game. Um, but but Holmstrom really not providing much offense, it becomes even more of an issue if Ross Johnson, uh, who only provides, you know, the occasional offense, is also in the lineup. So uh, that's really two players that you're not counting on, really, for for much point production. Look, the Islanders, and this is an issue we've been talking about for four seasons, Are they're already thin on consistent scores. But Who's going to come up from Bridgeport and provide instant offense? And don't think too hard. It really is a rhetorical question. Uh, Achuratu, sure, seems to have more offensive instincts than Holmstrom. Uh, and and Ratu was held out of Bridgeport's game on Wednesday, which would sort of lead you to believe that he's the next man up. For the Islanders, and it'll be very exciting, certainly, to see Ratu uh, get a chance in an NHL regular season game. Uh, you know, he looked good in training camp. He's he's had some really good games at Bridgeport, and uh, he, he does have those offensive instincts. But it, it would really be a little unfair to place those kind of high expectations on Ratu immediately, and. 
Certainly ditto for William Dufour, who, despite impressive numbers that he put up last season, he really projects more as like a, a Cal Clutterbuck type with a really, really good shot who can give you some offense. Uh, Ruslan Isha, oh my God, Ruslan Ishakov. Sorry about that, Ruslan. <laughs> can skate incredibly fast and is a promising prospect, but he's also listed at 5'9", 165 pounds. And while there are some very notable exceptions, uh, Johnny Gaudreau, Marty St. Louis come to mind, players of his stature often have a very tough go of it in the very physical NHL. These smaller players often have a really tough go of it in the NHL, and most likely the Islanders might just recall Soshnikov because he at least has that NHL experience, even if he's not going to give you much uh, offensively. And so, no, the, the trio of injuries to Bailey, Palmieri, and Clutterbuck have only really emphasized more that Lou Lamarillo needs to import some scoring talent to give this Islanders squad its best chance of playoff success. And, and we'll get to this a little bit more in Andrew, Andrew's answers as I did uh, scan some of the questions. So uh, let's put that on hold for a second. Let's talk a little bit about the back end as well. And Lane Lambert and assistant Doug Huda have been tinkering with the defense pairs uh, of late. They went to Sebastian Ajo with Noah Dobson uh, and then Alexander Romanov with, with Scott Mayfield, uh, starting with that win in Toronto, whereas it had been uh, uh, Rom Romanov with, with Dobson uh, since basically the start of training camp, and uh, it was either Ajo or, or before that, Robin Sala with Scott Mayfield. So um, also Tuesday in Philly, there was a little bit of Ajo with uh, Ryan Pulak. Um, but I, I get the sense that Lambert and Huda won't go away from Adam Pellick, Ryan Pulak for long. Uh, Ajo has been somewhat, if you can call it this, a, a very nice find for the Islanders. I know it's tough to call a guy who's been in the organization for this long, um, you know, given when, when he got his first look uh, with the team. Uh, he's really been around for a while. He's 26 years old. So to call him a nice find probably isn't exactly proper. But, you know, I, I know he re-signed here as an unrestricted free agent. And, uh, you know, there was some thought that after last season that maybe he had run his course in this organization and that uh, he should try to latch on somewhere else. Uh, that's not the case. Lou does sign him back after he had become a technical unrestricted free agent. Um, in the past, Ajo, you, you could see what Ajo's talents were, and then you could also really see what his deficiencies were. And, uh, you know, this season, Ajo has played very much like a responsible NHL defenseman. He, he does get up in the play at times. He skates well. But he, he really has not been the defensive liability like he was in, in his past chances with the Islanders. And look, I, I'm not saying that he's 100% there, right? He's still not 
perfect back there. There's still some turnovers, uh, but they really, he's really worked on, on, on cutting down on the turnovers. I talked with them, uh, with, with Ajo about that a couple of weeks ago, and he said, yeah, that was certainly a point of emphasis. Uh, and Ajo, he, he's fine in the Islanders' top six, and uh, look, he's, uh, as, a, as a sixth defenseman, he, he, he sort of fits the bill. He's certainly not stretching your salary cap. So, uh, look, Ajo and Dobson seem to have figured each other out as to who gets up in the play when, since both do have offensive instincts. They, 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 they're complementing each other fairly well, which is a really good sign. Um, meanwhile, I asked uh, Romanov about the switch uh, before Tuesday's game, uh, about playing with Mayfield and how that is. And uh, Alex Romanov is a very, very affable 22-year-old Russian. So, you know, he's not the most comfortable with English, but uh, he, he made it very clear that he likes all his teammates and, and he's willing to play with whoever Lane Lambert uh, puts him out with. And... Um, Speaking of Tuesday in Philadelphia, here's what I noticed. And like I said, the Islanders had a four-game winning streak coming into that game. They had one 13 of 17. Uh, you know, they had kind of ascended to second place in the division. And, you know, even though they don't blow you away with how they look, and, and sometimes it's doggone not really pretty out there, um, and they sort of rely on some good third periods to get them the two points. They rely on good third periods in Ilya Sorokin. Um, but they are getting the points. But he, he, here's something that, that seemed pretty stark to me in Philadelphia um, as compared to some other games. There, there was a lot more stick swinging uh, defensively, just trying to make defensive plays. And I'm not just singling out uh, the blue liners. I'm talking about both forwards and defensemen. Um, so there, there was a lot of stick swinging and, and not enough moving the feet. And for now, um, I'm going to chalk that up to a group at the end of a really, a really grueling run of games. And it, it just was one of those games where they didn't have that extra gear. Um, they just didn't. And, uh, it happens from times, from time to time. For now, like I said, I'm going to chalk that up to to kind of being a one-off, and we'll see what happens uh, as they they come up against the Predators, who are a tough team on on Friday. Now, I talk about a, a grueling schedule. Um, the Islanders played ten of fifteen games in November on the road, and finishing. With that loss in Philadelphia, they went 5-5-0 in those road games and 4-1-0 in their limited time at UBS Arena. And December shakes out a little bit easier just in terms of scheduling, even though it does have an extended road trip. Um, There are two days between the Philly and Nashville game going Tuesday uh, to Friday. So the Islanders have a Wednesday completely off. They'll practice on a Thursday and then play a game. But it's not the, you know, a game every other day or back to back or they had a stretch of four and six. 
in which they actually won all four games. That was the four-game winning streak. That was over six days. But it, it does take a toll uh, uh, eventually. So they're, they're two, gay, two days uh, completely, you know, game-free between Philly and Nashville. And, and the same thing the following week. The Islanders also have a two-day break between games next week. Uh, after hosting the Blues, they got two days. And then they'll face the Devils in Newark. Um, and I mentioned the extended road trip. There is a five-game trip to Boston and Arizona, and we get to see that 5,000-seat arena, which I still think is a complete embarrassment to the NHL, uh, that that's where the Coyotes are playing, even though it does have a, a really cool factor of seeing an NHL game in, in such small confines. Um, so you go Boston, Arizona, Vegas, Colorado, and that trip ends uh, against the Rangers at Madison Square Garden. Uh, and, and again, talking of embarrassments, I, I also think in another embarrassment to the NHL that December 22nd marks the third and final game between the Islanders and Rangers this season. I've said this before. I'll say this again. It's an embarrassment and, an, and just asinine that the teams only play three times this season. And it's an embarrassment and it's asinine that their season series is over before Christmas. Uh, you know, you still got January, February, March, and half of April, and the Islanders and Rangers are not going to play, and it just devalues the Metropolitan Division race. It really does. And the Islanders are only playing the Devils three times. And I know I've gotten up on my soapbox about this before. It's just when I look at the schedule and I see that, it just really, it turns me off. It ticks me off. But anyway, look, December also brings uh, the, the first usage of the <laughs> Islanders reverse retro fisherman jersey. That's on December 10th against the Hurricanes on a Saturday night at UBS Arena. The, the players seem to think they're cool. Um, and granted, the players did not live through the 1990s as Islander fans. Uh, I, uh, Brock Nelson was talking about it the other day, um, you know, just how cool he thought the jersey was. He's looking forward to uh, ordering some for his family and all that. Um, I asked Brock Nelson if he saw Stan Fischler, the, uh, you know, the esteemed journalist, broadcaster, author, historian who... Uh, uh, the UBS Arena press box is named after. I asked Brock if he saw Stan Fischler when he looked at that Fisherman logo, and Nelly just laughed and said no. Um, and as I mentioned earlier, I, I had the chance to talk to Matt Barzell for a few minutes about his skating technique and ability, and honestly, it, it was a conversation I, I've been meaning to have for quite some time, because if you concentrate and just focus and watch Matthew Barzell on the ice, the moves he can make on a dime are, are truly incredible. Um, it, it's a joy to watch him skate. I know, you know, you'll you'll come back at me and say it's not a joy to see him, you know, not shoot the puck sometimes. Yeah, okay, but we're not talking about that. We're we're talking about uh, an athlete who has superior, superior skating talents. And, and I was really interested to talk to him just about, you know, how he develops that and, and how, you know, he really 
learns to make all those moves. And I, I've said this many, many times. If I try to stop on skates like Matthew Barzell does, I would break both my ankles in a nanosecond. They would just snap. And I don't think I would be the only one. But anyway, like I said, uh, I was really interested to, uh, the, to to talk to Barzy about it. And uh, here is our chat on his skating. When you're a kid, right, that skating ability, how much of it is innate and, and how much is, like, just hours and hours of practice? Um, it's honestly a good question. Uh, sorry. Um, I honestly think that uh, growing up, I think every kid really, like, I had kids I played with when I was younger, and they'd be using power skating coaches and all this kind of stuff, and a year or two years later, they'd be skating the exact same way as they did two years ago. I, I really feel like you, the way you skate is your body makeup and mm-hmm. your the way your legs are shaped and yeah. different things like that. So um, I, I've always kind of skated pretty similar since uh, I've been young. I watched, you know, I watched some stuff when I was younger, and it looks pretty similar, like the crossing over and turning and whatnot. So um, I'd say when I was around... 16, 17, probably, probably 18, actually. Um, I really, like, I watched a lot of, like, just McDavid, how, I mean, I was a good skater back then, but I, you know, just how he creates more speed, and I feel like modified my skates a little bit, and um, just a lot of visual stuff, and it's literally just, like, every single day, like, every time you turn, every time you, like, do your first, like, couple steps, it's, like, making, you know, the note in your head that, like, okay, I'm going to come out of it with a crossover or I'm going to like full speed every single every single time and then you just ultimately like six seven months down the road you really you're like wow you know what like maybe you know I, I feel faster so yeah. there's some different things that go into it for sure yeah like as you're developing that skating the way you can stop on a dime right yeah. you yeah. know where, where most people would probably break their ankles doing that yeah right? yeah yeah how how much courage does it take to do that the first time to really just come to a, you yeah. know? Um, yeah, it's, yeah. Um, I, I, yeah, it's just, you just feel comfortable on your skates, you work on a few moves, and then skating 23 miles an hour and then stop on a dime, it's just, yeah, I feel like that's just edge work. Um, mm-hmm. The confidence thing on my feet, I just feel really confident. It's like, you know, yeah, just it's just like, my mom always used to, or my neighbors always used to joke because I was always be rollerblading stuff around that, it, like that I that I came out with skates on. And yeah. That was like the joke. So, uh, um, but the turn to the stopping on a dime. That's just a confidence thing. Being being comfortable on my edges. I work with a guy Victor Kratz, who's a figure skating coach, figure skater, and it, I've never been on the ice with such an amazing skater before, and like. When you see that up close and personal, I'm like, oh my god, I want to like be as good as he can, like on his edges. So that's like another thing. When, when did you work with him? When did you start? I started with him when I was around probably 18. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I just it, he was so good, like his turning, and we just did some really cool stuff, like inertia, like creating speed and staying low and keeping. It. He's he's the best. So yeah. Um. I wanted to, what was I going to ask you? Well, first of all, like, and I think you alluded to this, but on the ice, right? 
how much advance notice does your brain give your legs that you're going to make one of these, you know? Um, <laughs> I'd just say it's a read and react thing. Like, yeah. if I have a step on a guy or, you know, sometimes when I was younger, like, guys would be targeting me, like, you know, you know, they were trying to kill me on the ice because I was a smaller kid growing up. Um, mm-hmm. So I just became, like, very aware of stopping and where guys are and um, not getting hit and that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I'd say it's more like just a, just a read on so where the other guy's feet are. If, they're, if I turn his feet, then maybe I stop and make it tough and try to put him in an awkward spot. Mm-hmm. Did you have to work with your skates to, like, you know... The the ankle support. Did you like? Yeah. So did you tie them differently? Yeah. So I I was I was always like a stiff skate, and then I loosened. I made them a little bit looser around my ankle. So uh, I just had a lot of bend like in my in my knee. So um, I feel like that's helped actually like getting forward, getting on my toes a little more. Yeah. I loosened them up, like I modified them a bit. Right. Yeah. No. I was I was wondering if you did anything different. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Just the. Just loosening at the top. Of the and just the way you skate now, do you still feel like you can get better at it? I know you, you know players are always working at their yeah. craft, right? Yeah, there's definitely things I'm, I'm working on. Like uh, watching some of these new kids like Kaprizov and um, who else? Fiala. Uh, they're always doing like the mohawk. We call it the mohawk where their feet are like this. So working on stuff like that or... Um, you watch Sid, he does it around the net. So just look, you can always work on little things, yeah. So I, I hope you enjoyed that discussion uh, I had with Matthew Barzell on his skating technique. And now the floor is open to you. It's time for your questions with Andrew's Answers. And we'll start with our friend Thomas Boyle as we... Uh, uh, go through some uh, questions for Andrew's answers. And Thomas says, any updates with Palmieri, Bailey, and Clutterbuck on the injury front? And uh, uh, sorry, Thomas, no. Um, the Islanders, look, they, they have not been very forthcoming with injury information anyway this season. And all we got was that Palmieri and Bailey are day-to-day with the upper body. They didn't even specify or, or or have anything on Cal Clutterbuck. Obviously, uh, there was no practice the day after uh, the Philadelphia game. And really, you'll, you probably won't, you know, we'll, we'll see whether anyone practices on, on Thursday. And then if anyone takes the morning skate on Friday, if anyone's able to dress. But really, you know, that's the only way we're going to get updates. Even when I, I asked Lane Lambert whether Kyle Palmieri had started skating or not, he just said Palmieri is day-to-day and did not address that question. So uh, as frustrating as it is for you as fans, it is frustrating for us in media to uh, uh, to not really get any updates uh, once guys go down. Um, Run Bob Run says... Do the Islanders have a top line, or is it 1A and 1B between Nelson's line and whoever is playing with Barzell? Can they win a cup with this thought process? And uh, I would agree that really whoever is going better that night becomes the top line. And I I don't think the Islanders are really, really unique uh, in that. 
And can they win a cup with this thought process? With the thought process, sure. Look, they got to the Stanley Cup or semifinals, the NHL semifinals against the Lightning in back-to-back years, and, and nothing has really changed there, you know, between whether you want to call Matthew Barzell or Brock Nelson uh, the top line. And Brock Nelson has been skating with Anders Lee and Anthony Beauvillier. Matthew Barzell has been with Oliver Wallstrom for for most of the season now, and whoever whoever's available at left wing, really. It's been Josh Bailey, it's been Simon Holmstrom, Anders Lee has spent some time up there, uh, Zach Parisi has played there. Nothing has stuck, and uh, we'll, we'll get some more questions about that going, but that, that is an issue for the Islanders, that they, they can't settle on a top-line left wing. And uh, it it sort of probably tells you that their top-line left wing is not on the team yet, really. Um, Michael says, Do you think the team has an issue of not showing up? Seems like last night in games like Detroit and Arizona were just total no-shows. And look, over 82 games, uh, as Barry Trotz used to say, they're not all going to be Picassos, right? And... uh, you know there are there are games where teams i it's not a matter of not showing up um you know honestly i i didn't have an issue with the effort uh that the islanders put out in uh in philadelphia for that game um it was just that uh like i said they were there were steps slow and uh, i really think it's more the schedule catching up to them than not showing up, uh, you know, they, they are human beings. I know they're well-paid athletes and this is their job, but look, I, I, you know, just on a, on a personal note, I, I felt it last night in Philadelphia. I I don't think I wrote my greatest story. I don't think I did my greatest reporting and I was just shot when I got home. So, you know, I, I mean, and that's just me using my fingers to type and, you know, getting on and off planes trying to follow this team around. You know, I'm not out on the ice for, you know, three periods getting my body banged up. So it, it happens. I, I, I didn't see last night as not showing up. And, you know, I was talking with Casey Sezikis about it. The, the, the one really, the loss that really stood out at the beginning of the season was that 4-1 loss to the Devils at UBS Arena where the Islanders were just... And they were step and a half behind all game. And at the time, uh, I think the the Devils were still on a losing streak. And they certainly weren't 19-4-0. At the time, that looked like a really, really bad loss. And now no one brings it up because the Devils just don't lose. Uh, look, uh, the, the Arizona game was bad. That was the 2-0 game. That was a clunker. Um, they They happen over 82 games. And... I just go to the fact that look, the, 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 as I speak, they are fifteen and nine. It's it's not you know, uh, it's not the greatest record in the NHL, but fifteen wins gets you thirty points, and that gets you second place in the division. So I, I don't think this team is fully gelled yet, and they're banking points before they've really taken that next step as a team. And I, I do think that is a good sign. Um, Coach Jeff24 says, does Lou view the Barzell line as an issue? That is the one line that truly lacks consistency. 
Um, do they view addressing a mainstay winger for Barzell as a property? And look, uh, I would hope so. Um, like I just said, I, I don't think Matthew Barzell's longtime left wing or the left wing he's going to finish the season with, I don't think he's on the roster yet. So, yeah, I, I do think the Islanders have to look at the Barzell line as an issue because Matthew Barzell is having a, a great productive season. And he's, he, you know, he's point per game. I know he's just got the two goals, but if he's getting you one or two assists, game, that means that that's one or two goals going up on the uh, scoreboard. And he, he really needs that. He needs a finisher on that line. He, he really does. And it absolutely should be a priority at this point. Jack Anton says, none of us deliver our A game every day at work. Is it odd for an entire team to experience a subpar night? Uh, the same game as happened last night in Philadelphia. Is that more on the players or the coaching staff? And look, the coaching staff prepares the players the same for every game. I, I know that for a fact. Um, is it more on the players? It, it is what I just mentioned before. I think uh, it was a tired team. And look, they just they didn't pull it out. Uh, when, uh, when we were all up in Toronto... Uh, at the end of that four-game road trip, which was ridiculous because it went from Ottawa to Nashville to Dallas all the way back from Toronto. Andrews Lee said after that game the team just didn't have its legs, but they stole the points because they got amazing goaltending and they had a really good third period. So sometimes you can come back and sometimes you just slog through it and uh, you don't get the the, the equalizer. I mean, that was really a 2-1 game in Philly. Uh, with an empty netter, uh, you know, adding to the final store, score. Uh, Donald Castellucci third says, it's interesting to see the difference in play of Dobson and Romanov, both young, but Romanov seems to be making some bad plays, both giveaways and step-ups at bad times. Do you see it any different? No, I, I, I think Noah Dobson's game is, is much more polished at this point. I mean, it shows in the... Uh, Point production. Romanov um, is still learning, uh, and not that Dobson's not still learning, but I, I think Romanov is still learning exactly when to step up. Um, and yeah, he he has you know there there have been some bad passes. Uh, Noah Dobson's had some giveaways too. I, I just think it's a little more noticeable with Romanov. Um, but look, I, I I really like the potential in the guy. I know his teammates love him, and you gotta you know if you're looking for a guy to lay a check, and uh, he uh, he laid out Kevin Hughes in the in the uh, Kevin Hughes Kevin Hayes in the third period um, at UBS Arena against the Flyers, and I, I looked at that replay over and over and I know the Flyers reacted badly to it and uh, the rest of the game turned into a uh, kind of a circus and then the start of uh, uh, the game in Philly was a circus but Romanov did nothing wrong there it was a solid good clean hit and uh, you know if he can deliver those that really helps a team because it grinds the other team down um uh, Joe Pinkass says, are the Islanders at all concerned with the poor underlying metrics? Do they understand this is a bottom 10 team without Sorokin? Um, and again, as I said at the top, you know, that 
differentiates a lot of teams, and you can't discount what Ilya Sorokin and Semyon Varlamov give to this team. Um, they're not a bottom team, a bottom ten team, because Ilya Sorokin is part of the team. Um, but you know, as far as are they concerned with the poor underlying metrics or the analytics? You know, Barry Trotz always used to talk about the eye test. I, too, am a big believer in the eye test because sometimes the metrics skew one way. Like, a guy like Leo Komarov, who we talked about for, you know, two and a half seasons, his metrics were among the worst in the NHL. And to a man, every Islander will tell you that he was if not the greatest teammate they've ever played with in the, in the top three of great teammates they played with. They loved it when he was on the ice, right? So uh, I asked, I think my lead in, I forget, my lead to one of the games uh, was something about, you know, the Islanders, in terms of analytics, the Islanders, you know, had a, you know, the numbers were bad in terms of analytics. Luckily, all that matters is what's on the scoreboard. And I asked Josh Paley about that after the game. And he admitted as a player that he really doesn't take to heart the analytics. So I know they're important. I know uh, not just the the Islanders have an analytics department and they're all very hardworking and they churn out good information that, that can be helpful and, and is helpful. But uh, you know, it, it analytics don't always give you the overall picture. They just don't. And I think in hockey, it's more true than any other sport. You really have to pay attention to the eye test here. Um, Prince Chicken Wing says, if Bailey and Kyle Palmieri are unavailable for Friday, would Lane Lambert consider going 11 forwards and seven defensemen? And yeah, sure, I think... He would consider it, and that would get Robin Sallow back into the lineup. Um, but, you know, as I said, if one of those 11 forwards is Simon Holmstrom, and I, I'm not trying to pick on the kid, but like I said, that's he's not really, you know, he's not really producing offensively. So, you know, that kind of hinders you a little bit. Um would he consider going 11 forward, seven defensemen? I, I do think he would consider it. I, I do think the Islanders instead, if one of those three guys are not available, they will bring someone up, uh, quite possibly Atu Ratu, to, to head into the lineup and play it as 12 forward, six defensemen. Richie ZZZ says, Looking ahead with the deadline cap space that the Islanders have, who do you think will be the Islanders' primary target, if anyone? Uh, he says Patrick Kane, uh, Timo Meyer, other. And uh, look, I, I covered the New York Rangers for many, many seasons, as you know. And uh, this is what I learned. When a player is attached to the Rangers, uh, as Patrick Kane is attached to the Rangers, it usually comes to fruition. And I, I certainly expect Patrick Kane to be with the Rangers by, by the end of the season. And and the, the closest comparison I, I can give you is Rick Nash, where uh, those rumors were around from the opening face-off in training camp that, that Rick Nash was probably going to wind up 
uh, you know, with the Rangers, and and guess what? He wound up with the Rangers. So, like I said, I, I certainly expect uh, Patrick Kane to wind up uh, on Broadway before the end of the season. Timo Meyer, uh, he would look really good uh, with the Islanders. He would give, you know, I think he would be a good running mate for Matthew Barzell. He's got a $6 million cap hit. Um and Lou Lamarillo's preference, it seems, is not so much the rental, but to get these guys in and then see if he can sign them to an extension. So with the salary cap uh, hopefully going up uh, by more closer to four million than one million, it's something you, you got to watch out to see if uh, if the Islanders are in on Timo Meyer, whether that includes an extension. And not just a rental. Now, also out there, and I'll just throw a couple of other names out there. Um, the, the Flyers are going to look to move James Van Riemsdyk if JVR can get healthy at, at any point. And uh, uh, he would he might be more of a rental guy, but, you know, you could put him on Barzell's left wing. He'll get you some points and he'll help your power play. Um, and it might not be the worst trade, uh, that the Islanders could make, uh, given, you know, what else is out there. And, uh, you know, JVR probably will not cost an arm and a leg, uh, to get him away from the Flyers. And I'm sure Evgeny Dadanov could be had from the Montreal Canadiens if, if anyone's interested in that. He's had some good seasons in the past. He just had a good one for Vegas. He is not having a good one in Montreal. One goal, one assist through 18 games. I believe he's 34. Uh, he would probably be more of a rental. Um, but again, you know, uh, if, if Patrick Kane is not out there, you know, just throwing a couple of other names out there. Um, PJA says, how come you always mispronounce Ryan Pulak's surname? Uh, there's no poo in it. And uh, PJA, if you've been listening to the whole podcast, you know Ryan's name is not the only one that I can stumble over. I am a uh, initially a writer by trade. I can spell Ryan Pulak uh, without issue, and I am very proud of that. And, uh, you know, just bear with me. I'm, I'm, I'm trying here. <laughs> and, and I did go to the NHL. The NHL has this list of the official pronunciations. So I went to the NHL.com's uh, list of official pronunciations for NHL players. And I got Ryan uh, number six's name right in front of me. And I know I'm doing Ryan correctly per the NHL. And what they have... For uh, number six's last name is uh, emphasis on the P-U-H-L, which I'm pronouncing pull awk pull awk So I'm sorry if I've been mispronouncing that incorrectly, but uh, uh, you know who I'm talking about. Um, build more bike lanes, say, uh, if Palmieri, Clutterbuck, and Bailey are all healthy, what happens to Simon Holmstrom? And I, I think... Simon Holmstrom goes back to Bridgeport in that scenario. Uh, Mark Wells says, on the other hand, if one or more are out for a while, who comes up from Bridgeport? And uh, uh, like I said, I, I think 
just reading the tea leaves, it might be Aturatu who gets the uh, first crack at this. Uh, Bob Keefe says, why is Ross Johnston on this roster? <laughs> and uh, look, he Ross, he's not going to play 82 games in the season. He is going to be a deterrent at times. And Lane Lambert has used him uh, for muscle. I believe he's played five games. He's on the roster because he's uh, in the first year of a four-year extension. Um, and Sab says, uh, does it seem uh, that Holmstrom is showing enough to stay in the lineup when Palms returns? Will Bailey spend more time in the press box than in the ice when the roster is healthy? And I, I, I no, I, I don't think Holmstrom... Is this, he'll he'll probably go back to Bridgeport as I I just mentioned when everyone is healthy if everyone gets healthy I I will say Lane Lambert is showing uh, a little bit more willingness to make Josh Bailey uh, a healthy scratch uh, than Barry Trotz did so yeah I think there are going to be games when Josh Bailey just you know is not in in the uh in the lineup i i don't think his healthy scratch count for this season is going to end at three um william yermel says i imagine the style is a little more fun to execute for the players has anyone ever asked the players if barry's system took its toll over the years i i don't think it was the system um and I, it was a little bit more of a defensive system the uh lane lambert has the team up on the four check a little bit more. Um, it's a little bit more of an aggressive system. The def- the defense activates more. That that is more fun for the players to activate. I, I don't think it's the system that takes the toll on players over the years. It's just hearing the same voice year after year. No matter how great a coach is, and I consider Barry Trotz a great coach. He's going to get another job. Um, the Rangers better turn it around soon for Gerard Gallant's benefit because that job, you know, certainly could be open. And, uh, you know, how how much would that hurt to see Barry Trotz behind the Rangers bench uh, if at, at some point? So I don't think it was the system. I just think four years in the NHL is a long time for players to, to, to hear a, a coach's voice. And, uh, you know, in retrospect, it might have been just time to, to move on and, and, and hear a new voice which is exactly what Lou Lamorello said, strangely enough. Um, New York Islander Fan Central uh, says, so how come no one photographs the locker room and the team facilities now that the media has access? Where is the walkway wall for the 50th anniversary? Why is Value Retail that's biggest dig ever getting no coverage? And what it's supposed to mean to New York Islanders owner Scott Malkin. And I read this question because I know whoever is running the New York Islander Fan Central uh, Twitter uh, site has had an issue with me and with Newsday ever since I wrote a story about uh, uh, the Breeders' Cup saying they would come to Belmont Park um, if all these improvements are made to Belmont Park and uh, uh, New York Islander fan central seemed to think that I was uh, being a toady uh, for uh, Naira. And uh, to be honest, I, I forget exactly what the complaint was, but they, they, they feel that uh, I am not covering uh, value retail and uh, 
we're, we're covering for Scott Malkin somehow. And we, which, so I just wanted to address that and say no. And the reason I wrote the story about the Breeders' Cup possibly coming to uh, Belmont Park is because the Breeders' Cup is literally like the Super Bowl of thoroughbred racing. And if it's potentially coming to Belmont Park, that's a, that's a big deal in the thoroughbred world. And that's why I wrote that story. And as far as why no one photographs the locker room and the team facilities, it's not that we're not trying to photograph it. To be honest with you, I never really even thought about it. And, and one of the reasons is when we do go into the Islanders room, be it at the practice facility or uh, at, the, uh, at the arena, we're really in and out of there within five to seven minutes. You got to, you got to, you know, especially post-game. Uh, after practices is a little different, but post-game, you really got to get your interviews in. You're on a tight deadline, and if I stop to take some photographs, I'm not going to get my job done. And honestly, you know, I, I would think that would be up to the Islanders' social media team to uh, post some photographs of the the locker room if the league wants that um as far as the walkway wall for the 50th anniversary it's a good question and i will uh i'll look into that and try and get back to you so thank you to everyone who submitted questions and thank you to listening to island ice newsday's new york islanders podcast if you want to find all of Newsday's Islanders content, please go to newsday.com backslash aisles. That includes past episodes of Island Ice. Don't forget about Newsday TV. And if you're still on Twitter and wish to follow me, I'm at Agros Newsday. That's also my handle on Instagram, though I'll be very honest, I have not figured out how to use Instagram yet. I am working on it. Happy hockey, everybody.